Welcome to the Living Room Worship Podcast with your host, Crystal Luster. Join me in my living room right now so we can explore in a fresh way what worship looks like in everyday life. Okay, welcome to Living Room Worship, friends. It's your host, Crystal Luster. And if this is your first time joining us, you are currently in season four. So I definitely encourage you to catch up on the previous seasons. But um, Living Room Worship is just a safe space for us to talk about life and faith. And um, I'm a very unorthodox type of person. I try to subscribe to religion versus, I mean, to relationship versus religion. I am not one to subscribe to religion because I feel like Christ came to bring us a relationship with him and not just, um, you know, a certain title or a set of rules. Um, And so without getting too deep into that conversation, this is really just talking about the intersection between real life circumstances, issues, topics, and where faith intersects with that. How do we invite Jesus into the living room of our lives? So uh, with that being said, um, we are super excited. And by we, I mean me and Jesus, I guess, because we're talking about Jesus too. But uh, we are super excited to have the amazing Yanni Brown. And if you guys have not heard about her, because I know that we have people from all over the world, but let me tell you, there is a a rare occasion when I start talking about sex among my peers and people don't know who Yanni Brown is. Like most of the time, if I start talking about intimacy or sex or, you know, woman empowerment with our, our sex, the sexual aspects of our bodies, like Yanni's name comes up because she is just a force to be reckoned with. She has definitely been a blessing to my life and to my marriage. And so this one goes out to all the ladies. This one goes out to um, married ladies, single ladies, whatever. I, I definitely just want to talk about, um, you know, what, what sex is and the importance of this. And so this episode, let's talk about sex, baby. Guest Yanni Brown has helped so many women, including myself in understanding our sexuality and intimacy. Um, especially for me and my marriage, um, is when I started connecting with Yanni and I'm, I'm really glad that I did. I kind of wish I would have connected with her sooner. So if you're not married, you can find value in this conversation. And so um, before we dive into it, I just want to kind of give a little discussion topic. I've talked to Yanni about this before, uh, but just a a little preface to the discussion with Yanni. Um, Can we talk about for a second, listeners, how church kind of jacked us up? Yeah, I said it. (laughs) Church kind of jacked us up when it comes to sex. It's bad until it's not. You know, when I was growing up in church, if you're a church girl, listen to this, then you know what I'm talking about. Sex is bad. It's bad. Don't do it. It's bad. It's ugly. It's this and that and the other. And then it's not because you got married. And so go and be free and let your freak flag fly. I have said that before on this on this podcast. I think I did an episode on sex in season one, um, but I did not have Yanni on here. So it's going to be that much better. Um, but yeah, you know, it's bad until it's not. And then we're just supposed to know what to do. And pastors, I know you want to encourage people not to indulge in sexual sin. Um, just please don't lump sex in with sexual sin because it's not the same thing. And I definitely will be talking about that more in the next episode, just kind of breaking down what that actually means, because I I need to know, like, I need real answers. Let's have the, the talks that's not being had 
from the pulpit, okay? So sex by itself is beautiful. It is God-made and God-given. Let's celebrate the fact that he gave us this amazing gift called sex, that he made us sexual beings. Like, let's stop buying into that lie that he did not make it. He literally made our bodies for this amazing thing called sex. It's just like words. God doesn't want us to lie, but he commands us to speak and to declare Jesus as Lord and to pray, etc. So he gave us the gift of words, but he doesn't want us to sin by using those words to lie or to slander or to tear others down, etc. He gave us food, but doesn't want us to be gluttons. He gave us intelligence and creativity, but doesn't want us to be proud and stuck up and tearing people down because, down because we're taking ourselves too seriously. In other words, don't abuse the power, use the power. So this conversation is not about sexual sin. Um, and, and like I said, we will explore that in a part two. But this is about the power and the beauty and the majesty of God's creation of sex. So without further ado, Yanni, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. This is so exciting. All while you were talking, I, I was remembering uh, conversations growing up with my mom uh, about sex and conversations with my girls about sex. And it's just always been an open, let's have a conversation about a topic. You know, I, I got everything I needed to know from my mom and that in which she didn't know, we talked about it. You know, I taught her some things throughout the years, uh, even with my girls. It was like, I remember when my youngest was a teenager and she asked me about sex and she was like, oh, so why is everybody having it? And I was like, because it feels amazing. And that was before I thought about like the, the Yanni Brown educator answer. Uh, <laughs> and I said, However, <laughs> I had to put in the however, and then I just broke it down that while it's something that can amazingly happen with you and your partner, it also comes with a whole bunch of other things that may not be so great with it. And we talked about those things. See, I love that. Can we just take a minute to celebrate? I'm like the queen of taking a minute because I just really love to take a minute. I think we rush past these moments, but I just want to take a minute and celebrate your approach to that because Never have I ever in my young adult years said that to somebody and they were just like, oh, because it feels amazing. You know, that's not something that you hear. And I think it's important because for a long time, like even though my mom was really open about talking about sex, her experience, like her first experiences with sex weren't positive. You know, she told me that she was afraid. She told me that it didn't feel great. And so in my mind, I kept thinking like it's going to suck. You know, and so like to hear about it, you know, and talking to, to her now, like she always say, oh, you being nasty. But, you know, it's our little joke. We talk about sex because we're both married now and we we talk about intimacy and we have our date nights and so on. Obviously not together because that's gross. But um, <laughs> but, you know, it, it's a different thing now. But I would have appreciated that candidness and knowing that there was a promise of something that I could look forward to instead of wishing that I could get it over with or feeling dirty when I would think about it. So I celebrate you for talking about it like that. You know, what's unfortunate about that is that for a lot of women, especially that are a little bit older than me, and then even some women that don't like to talk about it, because that's the thing. No one really is talking about it, but, talking about it. but the thing is for many, and when I say many, I'm talking on the side of 75 to 80% out of a hundred. For many, it's not a pleasurable experience for them. 
And that's the unfortunate thing. You have so many people talking about WAP and all these other uh, excitable moments, but they're not really, really, really having a great time with their mates. And, you know, I just got a text message earlier about sexless marriages. All these things are very real things. So when you talk about, I wish someone had told me about it, that's because no one ever told us it was okay to talk about it, Mm. to share it, to even share with our mates what we want in bed. Even if we don't know. That part right there. Yeah. That part right there. So let's let's backtrack for a little bit because I know we're going to just get into a lot of amazing uh, discussion. But can you just tell us a little bit about who you are and how you got into this field and like what your, your brand name is? My, uh, well, I'll start with how I got into this field. I started out as Kiss and Makeup. Because I was all the, always the one in my relationship trying to make it right. I was always trying to fix it. I was always the one trying to pull everything together in the relationship. Uh, and of course, that relationship ended. And then um, I wrote a book because I was in another relationship not too long after that where I realized all the people were the same, just looked different. And so long story short, after that marriage ended, I ran into some other things. I dated someone who had someone because that was easier for me because that person couldn't lie to me because I had been hurt so many times before. Mm. And I remember seeing him and her in a way that I had never seen them before. And I couldn't make it home without the ugly cry, the lip quiver, the snot on the top of the lip. I mean, it was horrible. And I got home and I was like, God, what's your will for my my life? And he said, I want you to love you the way you keep trying to love everybody else. Mm. So that was the catalyst for me changing my name from Kiss and Makeup to Making Love Better. And then I added the together and that's T-W-O. Because what I've learned through those failed relationships, what I learned about myself by taking that own self journey, uh, which was the first book, Making Love Better Begins Within, was that if you don't love you, then how can you tell someone else how to love you? Mm. And that's extremely difficult. So that's where the the brand became making love better together because, again, years of research, years of working with others, years of working and being mentored by other married couples. What it's taught me is that it's going to take all of us with our knowledge, with our wisdom, with our power coming together collectively to restore balance to this thing called love. I love it. I love it. I love um just off the bat, you know, talking from experience, I was just on a conference call earlier today um, teaching about branding. And I was, you know, telling people because a lot of people are are afraid to tell their stories. And I told uh, the listeners that, you know, you can't be afraid to tell your story because you never know whose freedom is wrapped up in, in mm. your message. And you hold their freedom hostage. And so it's like, you know, think about if you had been too afraid to talk about the stuff that you had been through, how many people would still be in bondage and, and still not understand how to love themselves and how to communicate what kind of love they need from their partners because you decided not to open your mouth. So I'm, I'm glad. I know my life has been better because of the things that you went through and the lessons that you learned. And it's funny that you say that because in the first book, I actually talk about how we just what you said, you can't hold on what happened to you, because first of all, it's not what happened to you. It's what happens through you Mm -hmm. that gets you to whoever it is you're destined to be. And while you're stuck on the pity party of why me, woe is me and oh, God, me, 
you're keeping someone else from their breakthrough mm-hmm. because your story is tied to their story, which, which sounds crazy, but I've talked to so many women that were like, I thought it was just me. And it's taught me that it's not just me and, and everything that has happened to me. And it's been some horrible things, but everything that has ta- happened to me has been some form of a help aid for some other woman, some other couple, even some men. Mm. That's good. No, that's, that's needed. It's so, so needed. Um, so life brought you into this field. What do you feel like is the biggest issue, particularly with women, but we do have some male listeners, majority of our crowd is women, but what do you feel like is the biggest issue that people have when it comes to intimacy? I'll take it a step back before you could even get to the intimacy. It's unrealistic expectations from the relationship period. Oop. Okay. You know, we, we go into a thing with, well, he said this and we added on a couple of extra sentences to it that allows us to have these expectations that they never told us they were capable of giving to us. Mm. So that's number one. And then number two is not being able to communicate freely with your mate. Because a lot of times we say, oh, yeah, I want you to be open. I want you to be honest. I want you to be vulnerable. But the moment that we are in our relationships, somehow we're held hostage or is thrown back in our faces in a negative way, which makes us not want to be open, which makes us not want to be honest, which makes us not want to be vulnerable. And when you're talking about love and lovemaking and spending time with your mate in a sexual way, I want to be able to tell you, baby, can you grab a pair of Timberlands on your way home and put on a wife beater? And that's how I want you to walk through the door. Mm. Even though you may be, you know, a nerd or whatever, it, it should be able to be reciprocated and, and heard and listened to in a way that says, okay, baby, I understand your needs. I can meet those or I cannot. How do we get to that place where we're too afraid? to talk about what we want or like you said earlier we find ourselves in these relationships where we don't have um realistic expectations like how do we even end up in relationships that we can't trust we end up there and and I know this to be true from doing some research and just asking myself when was the last time prior to you getting married when was the last time somebody asked you what do you want? And then actually sat and listened to what you wanted. Hmm. That's part of the problem. We have this list of, well, he got to be six feet and he needs to go to the gym and he needs to work out and he needs six figures and da, 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 da. And you have this list, but have you matched that list with who you are? Mm, come on now. Because you, you can't say, I want a man that goes to the gym and you do not. Because, because what will you have in common? And I'm not saying you can't have things that you don't have in common. I'm not saying you have to have everything in common. But when you talk about your overall list of what you want, that may not be the person that's going to treat you the way you want to be treated. See, that's very different. I got this list, but I want to be honored, adored, and blah, 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 blah. That may not match that six-figure dude because that six-figure dude ain't got time to be at home with you. Listen. Let, let me just interject for a quick second. So I literally tell people about this all the time. Um, I, my listeners know 
um, or at least my veteran listeners know, I wrote a book called 30 Days of Change. And in my book, I kind of talk about the journey that God took me on during this 30-day consecration after I had my heart broken for the umpteenth time. Mm. And in that, he like literally did like open her heart surgery on me. He had me cut everything off, cut everybody mm. off. Like He was like, don't be on social media. Don't be Facebook stalking anybody. Stop texting your friends how mad you are. Like all of that, like just me and you give me 30 days. And so I did that. And within that time, the Lord started showing me who I was. He And he, he basically did that. And I tell people this all the time. The first question that I ask a woman in particular, because I feel like women, I've, I've said this actually to both men and women, because I have men and women asking me about marriage. They want to be in this great relationship. They want to have the, this great friendship with somebody that they love. And they'd be like, you know, how do you get there? And the first question I ask them, well, it's not how, but why? Why do you want, why do you even want that? And then mm-hmm. once you discover why, I ask them, do you know what your purpose is? Because if you don't know what your purpose is, you're wandering aimlessly in life because the way that it worked for me, I can truly attest to this. This is my testimony. The minute that I stopped focus, focusing on who and I started focusing on the why of my life, I started focusing on my purpose. My purpose got me in position and it helped hmm. me to understand where I needed to be so that I could meet the right person. But it was, it was never about him. And I, I read this book by Gary Chapman um, hmm. called Sacred Search. It's the prequel okay. to sacred mm-hmm. marriage. And it said, what if marriage is not about who, but about why? And in that book, he starts talking about understanding the purpose of relationship, the purpose of marriage. And what dawned on me was that all too often in my life in particular, I spent a lot of time in situationships Having this list, because we all make that list. I, I still got mine from when I was 13. He was going to be light skin, <laughs> tall, skinny, <laughs> with green eyes. You know, he was going to be mixed, right? And we have this list. But I asked myself, if that person walked through the door today, would he even want me? Would you Would you even want him? Would I even want him? Mm-hmm. And, it's, and what's funny is the absolute love of my life. He, he can work my nerves sometimes, but I, I swear I look at my husband almost every day and I think to myself, God literally handcrafted this man to love me. I've never, and- yesterday he told me, he said, babe, why do you wear fake eyelashes? And I was like, they just complete the look. He was like, and it was just the sweetest thing. He turns to me, he says, but I just, I just love your eyelashes. <laughs> I mean, for the man to love my eyelashes, you know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. it, it wasn't until I got in position to be the kind of woman that would attract that kind of man. And, and I'm going to add this caveat to it, because to me, it sounds like you grew up being loved and knowing that you were loved and loving yourself. Mm-hmm. To some degree, to like some, you hit, you hit the blueprint. To some degree, it, but it was, there was definitely some toxicity in there. In my book, I literally like, break down to where I hated myself for a long time but I covered that up like a good church girl quote unquote absolutely Mm -hmm. and so does six out of ten of your best girlfriends do you know what I mean yeah because we've been taught that we've been conditioned to do that we've gotten really good at doing it um 
So we become everything to everyone else. So when we ask the question, what do you want? That's why it's difficult for us to answer that. Mm -hmm. Because we've been so many things to so many other people for so long. What we want, what we need, what we desire never really matters. So when you say, how do you like your eggs? It's like, oh, wow. I don't know. And that goes back to falling in love with yourself, flaws and all. To me, that ushers in the door opening to what is pleasure for you and what does that look like? Mm. And then and then once you've had it, then you won't relinquish that power again. Mm. You, and, and, you know, I tell people this all the time. It's two things I say a lot. And one of them is you're only as good as your last lay. Mm. And what I mean by that is there are a lot of mediocre partners out there sexually. But because nobody ever told you you were mediocre in bed, because who's going to do that? You know, that's rocking the boat. We don't want to do that. You, you can be in love with somebody and the sex is absolutely horrible, but you stay because the love is there. You forego your orgasm because the love is there. Mm-hmm. And all those things are horrible, but that's because we don't want to rock the boat and say, hey, baby, I don't like that. I never liked that, but that's because they did it with the last person and the last person didn't complain either. Mm. So now they go into the next relationship with this whack job. That's what we'll call it. (laughs) Um, And they repeat this vicious cycle until someone pulls their coattail and say, okay, well, look, here's what I like and here's how I like it. And I I would really appreciate it if you would do it this way, because, you know, baby, that excites me. And that makes me want to do more of X, Y, and Z for you. I like that. I, I like this this relational reciprocation. Yeah, I don't even even that, if that's a word. I don't know if that's the official word, but I like this relational reciprocation. And even in in talking to Yanni, spending some time talking to her and learning from her and, and shopping with her, what I have learned is that I think that that's been one of my biggest take takeaways from talking with you within my marriage is learning how to give myself permission to ask for what I want. Yes. And the, and the thing about it is I was so afraid to ask for what I want because you hit the nail right on the head. I'm so, I've been so used, especially being the baby of my family. Oh, I, it was never about what I wanted. It was always about what other people were telling me they needed me to do. And so I kind of grew up in that. And in church, you know, you're constantly taught to be the servant, which is good to serve. But you also within that relationship, you know, the Bible talks about us submitting one to another it's good to be served as well. And and you have to communicate. Otherwise you just have all this pent up aggression and this mm-hmm. passive aggression where you're, you slamming dishes cause you mad cause you didn't, you know, have an orgasm, but he absolutely, he's not, a, he's not a mind reader, you know, no ma'am. And, and it's funny reader. because part of us speaking of mind readers, part of us as women secretly hopes that he just magically shows up and go, da, 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 da. I know what you want. I know what you like. I know what you need. And we've never had a conversation. That goes back to what I said about those having conversations about expectations that we never had. Mm. Mm-hmm. No, that's so when, good. when couples come to me with that problem, um, I, and I need to figure out how to coin this, but I send them on a scavenger hunt with each other's mm-hmm. bodies. Listen, y'all heard it here. Yanni said it first. I'm just letting you know right now. Yes. The scavenger hunts is all the rave to my couples because what I ask them to do is I ask them to go exploring with one another. 
So that way you're not doing what you're used to doing. You're exploring each other in a way that the only way you can respond is with a moan. Mm. If your partner doesn't moan, you're not in any of their erogenous zones. Come on. Okay. But the more that person moans, of course, the more you're going to want to stay there. So that's a great way to do that. And you can incorporate things like honey, warming lotions, oils, massage oils. You can incorporate those things into it because that's also the physical connection that you have with your mate too. Mm. Now, I want to take a second really quickly to talk to the Christian girl who is cringing and blushing right now. And feeling guilty for even listening to this conversation. Married or not, let me just remind you, like I said in the beginning, sex is God made. It is a gift that he gave us. He made our bodies. He made these organs. He didn't say, "Uh uh-oh, I threw too many nerves right there. Like, he did that intentionally. So, if you are reacting, if you're feeling like, oh my gosh, I feel this way, that's totally natural. It's something that's supposed to happen. And it's healthy for us to understand how to communicate these things. Because like Yanni just said, and I can attest to it, you don't just flip the switch and then, oh, I'm an expert now. No, it is about learning. Like you should absolutely go on a scavenger hunt, even if you've been doing it for 10 years, especially Mm -hmm. if you've been doing it for 10 years the same way. You have no idea what you could discover. We should always be learning our bodies and learning our partners and, and learning how to keep things fresh. So um, I, I really appreciate this conversation. I do have a couple more questions. Um, so if you can say this, what's the most frequently asked question that you get for, from your couples or from your clients? Hmm. One of the most popular questions that I get is, uh, what do you do past the honeymoon phase? Mm, that's good. Because a lot of people, you know, again, they, they plan the wedding, but they don't plan the marriage. Mm. So they spend all this money on the dress, the shoes, the tuxedo, the party, the rental, the hall. And then afterwards, they didn't get to know each other sexually. They didn't get to know each other intimately. They get, didn't get to learn the five love languages. So they kind of stuck. Because now you have the mortgage. You get that wedding that you have to pay off. You got bills. You get the dog. You get the picket fence. That you just put up, you know, you have all these bills and finances is the number one reason for divorce. So now you have all these bills and nobody's having sex. Mm. And what men and women need to understand is sex to him is intimacy to her. Same street. I mean, two different streets. At some point, we hope that they enter the sack. Mm-hmm. But That would be the biggest thing that I get asked a lot. And I say to couples all the time, don't ever stop dating. Yes. Whether you got to put it on a calendar, plan it, set it up where you have alarms going off, uh, plan your dates, plan your sex if you need to. And also, I always tell women this and they get mad at me when I say it. And this is probably going to make your Christian friends really, really cringe. Uh, But there's no reason to say no unless there's a medical reason to say no. There we your go. Mouth, your mouth work, your hands work, your other organs work. There there's no reason why we should not be having pleasurable sex. Because here's the thing. Women, we're tied to our emotions. So when we're angry, of course, we don't want to. Mm-hmm. But I caution women to not do that because what happens then is say you're mad for two weeks. Ooh. And some woman at the job is complimenting your husband on his time. You wonder why he tie shopping. 
Listen, let's talk about it because that's a real thing that happens. I don't it's care. It's a very if real are, thing. Are young. I mean, I have friends who are young in their marriage, just like I am, who are my age that have that have that happen. I've had it happen to me. And I tell my husband all the time, I try to, to hype him up. And not that I need to, like, you know, but I hype him up so that he know, like, what he got at home. Don't you Absolutely. don't get that out anywhere else. I don't care how mad I get at you. I'm going to throw it back. If, listen, okay? <laughs> and, and, and then I'm going to add, believe it or not, try having sex when you're angry. It is the most amazing, combustible, uncontrolled, eye-rolling, head-hanging-off-the-bed orgasm that you could possibly have. But you don't know that. Because you and your feelings, but can you can I? have a whole you can have a whole set of other feelings with that. You can still be mad when you're done. Listen, if I have a combustible, if I catch on fire, listen, the best orgasm in the world, I might just stay mad so I can get another. <laughs> and, and it's funny because we don't, and I don't know if you're going to ask me about this or not, but we don't talk about pleasure in our relationships. And that has a lot to do with it. Mm-hmm. Having those combustible orgasms, having those amazing orgasms, having those moments where it's like you thinking about him all day and he's thinking about you all day and neither one of y'all can wait to get home because you have this amazing chemistry with each other. Mm. No, we, we don't talk about it enough, which I'm glad we have this space now. It's a safe space to talk about it because it should be discussed. Like, I'm, I'm going to just put this out there. You know, this is a, a podcast that is, based in in faith and christianity and so like i'm gonna just say this i believe that god made our bodies i believe that god made sex therefore i believe that we should be having the best sex because we have the the jesus on the main line you know not to to go all christianese on it but like real talk i literally asked god to teach me how to have sex Teach me how to have the best sex I need to have. And a lot of that ends up being ask questions, try different things, you know, talk to people like Yanni. Like I prayed about that and I'm just like, I need to talk to somebody who knows what they're talking about, who's not afraid to give it to me straight. Like I'm not trying to have some type of, oh, well, you know, you just go in there and it'll be great. Like I need to talk about it, talk about it. So yes, thank you for saying that uh, because I know, for me, I struggle with that. You know, I tell people all the time, or at least, at least I tell my husband, or I might talk to my girlfriends about it. When I'm mad, like, I don't really want to be touched. So that's an area that I need to grow in um, because I, I'm i mad, don't breathe my air. But you better believe I'm not going to stay mad for more than a couple hours. Like, I got to be really mad to stay mad for a while because I hate going to bed angry. So we need to make up. We need to break that barrier and make up and, you know, have that physical touch and all of that because it's reparative to the relationship as well. Even Absolutely. if you feel mad later, that intimacy is reparative. Absolutely. 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 So a uh, couple more questions I have for you. Um, you kind of touched on this already, but how can you go a little bit deeper into how sex and intimacy are different and then how they are connected? Like what happens when they're connected? So men think about sex a whole lot, a whole lot. So their oven, technically, if they had an oven, is always on. And I'm referring to ovens because our oven needs to be heated up. Mm -hmm. So 
that's why sex is like number one on their priority list. And that changes with age. But for the most part, they think about it all the time. Even if they can't, they still think about it all the time. Women, on the other hand, they're thinking about when to get it done, how to get it done, which ways we're going to get it done. And we're talking about everything from chores to picking up the kids to dinner to how you're going to schedule work, choir rehearsal. All these things are constantly going through our heads. And out of all those, they've had 50 thoughts about sex. So how are they one and the same? It all leads to physical interaction. So if men understood that intimacy is sex to him, then that would help them in terms of like, if you want to stimulate her or if you want her to be sexy for you, then help with the chores, help with the laundry, uh, order takeout, watch the kids while she pampers herself. All of that is intimacy to her all day long, which leads to sex for him on the back end. Mm. Now, I want to jump in real quick and kind of ask your opinion on this, because that's something I used to tell to my husband all the time. So we're we're big uh, counseling advocates. I have a therapist for a number of things. Yanni is on my list for when I need to talk to somebody about sexual intimacy, um, uh, sex in general, viewing myself as a sexual being. You know, I have a grief therapist that I talk to when I'm, I'm dealing with grief and so on. So I, I highly recommend having somebody, a coach, a counselor, somebody that you can be accountable to in areas because we're not meant to do life alone. Um, but I know that I used to have that conversation with my husband very often where I'm like, you know, I need, um, it, it's sexy to me when you wash the dishes. And so then it kind of became a transactional thing where he would wash the dishes, but then ex- ex- expect, you know, a blowjob right after that. And it would be like, okay, you wash the dishes, but I'm doing a laundry. I have to cook the food. I put all the food up. I made your plate. I'm, I got to stay up late and do this thing for work. I got to be up early. I'm late at the office and all it is. And you wash the dishes and expect for me to drop into a split. And so he would get upset. Like I would appreciate him washing the dishes, but it wouldn't necessarily put me in the mood right away. And then he would get upset because he felt like he was trying to do what I was communicating to him. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until we found this balance. And I think I discovered it kind of on accident. It was um, during 2020, you know, everybody was having just this hard time in general because it was just a rough year all around on a lot of different levels. And I had found myself in a real bad place. I was, I felt like I was depressed. I didn't like saying that out loud. And I'm, I'm thanking God that I'm in a better place now. But I really do believe that I was depressed. I had become a person that I didn't really like. I wasn't very cheery. You know, I was putting up cheery, cheery videos or goofy videos. But honestly, I was, I was just feeling dead on the inside. I was sad about my dog dying. I was um, just sad about the friends that I had that died during COVID. I was frustrated with my husband because I felt like he was not um, caring for me in a way that I needed to be cared about. And we had this conversation and in talking, what ended up coming out in a, in a sober minded way was that I felt like he was not considerate of me. And I had said that a few times before, but for whatever reason, it clicked for both of us. It clicked for him because he made adjustments and has been consistently making those adjustments since then. It clicked for me in a different way. One of my my therapists suggested to me, she said, okay, you feel like he's not being considerate of you. 
but what are you doing to improve the situation? Mm. And I realized I had been complaining or grunting about it inwardly, which was all this pent up aggression and carrying the chip on my shoulder, but I had not done anything to serve him. And I think that's a, a really key thing, just kind of going back to what you were talking about with this reciprocity, right? So I went home with a different attitude and literally I walked through the door, there's candles lit, there's no dishes in the sink. He's cleaned up the entire house. It smells amazing. I'm instantly in a mood because <laughs> my to-do list or like I call it my to-da list is, is empty. There's nothing else for me to do when I get home but just enjoy my husband. And it wasn't like I just walked in and like took my clothes off. It was literally like I walked in, I already was in the mindset of, you know what? I'm going to make this a great evening because I have a good husband. Is he perfect? No, but I love him and he loves me and I'm going to pour into him and tell him how much I love him. And then I walk in and he's pouring into me and then we're pouring into each other. And so I want you to kind of just talk about for a second how that communication can happen in a real way where we are communicating intimacy, where it doesn't become transactional. You, you have to sit down really, and it's either over dinner or in your quiet space or in your vulnerability space where you can actually have times where it's like, okay, transparent moment. And that's where you're real transparent about how you feel. And then you have suggestions as to how that can be corrected or dealt with or, you know, how we can work on this together. Mm. Because a lot of times men don't know how to fix it. They know that they want to fix it, but they don't mm. always know how. And a lot of times we set each other up for failure when we say, well, I would really like it if you did this. But don't give them any examples of what this or the this is or what it looks mm. like. Mm -hmm. So can you help me with the dishes? Okay, well, when? Because when I try to help you with the dishes, you in there wash the dishes. Mm. Follow me? So can you help me with the dishes on Tuesdays? Because I know I have to work late on Tuesdays. Mm. See, I, I said, can you help me with the dishes? And then here's where I really need the help at on this day. Mm -hmm. So it's it's almost like you have to, unfortunately, have the answer and ways to resolve it in the same conversation, but then see how that other person feels about it. Because just because we want them to do a thing, that doesn't mean that they're A, good at a thing, or B, can do the thing to your standard. And if you're going to fuss about the thing that they've done, then that's defeating the purpose and that's only going to make that person feel worse anyway. So that's why I said, have those real conversations about where the strengths lie, where we can assist, you know, where we can come in for the alley-oop, however you all need to do it in whatever terms you need to do it in, where it's beneficial to the overall relationship. That is so good. It's like getting naked before you get naked. Yes, absolutely. And it starts with something as simple as, hey, babe, you know, I was thinking the other day, because most men hate when you say, can we talk? Mm -hmm. I was thinking the other day, I work these many days, these many hours, blah, 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 blah. You work these days, these many hours. What if we did that, 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 How would that work for you? And what would that look like to you? And then what's your input on what I said? Mm -hmm. No, because, that, that's, that's so good. Because they have ideas too. But, you know, if we don't leave the floor open for them to be vulnerable, we won't hear those ideas. Right. Right. It's that, again, that, that reciprocity, making it a team effort. I like how you say it, we. And I try to 
talk to my husband like that and yes ladies it can get tedious sometimes you know Absolutely. It, can, it can become it's a stretch because in our minds like you know I, I I won't say I tell my husband all the time but when I'm explaining to him you know in those tense moments when I'm frustrated I'll I'll try to tell it to him without you know trying to compare each other because I know as a woman we think differently our minds are wired very differently our attention to detail the way that we operate we're nurturers we make homes and men don't operate like that and so I'll try to explain to him you know I, I get how frustrating it could be for women to come home and it's like I, I flat out told him one day I was like I don't want to have to ask you to take the garbage out I want it to be a thing that you do because when you're hungry there is I can't remember the last time you asked me to go grocery shopping I think from the moment that I moved in after our honeymoon there was you have never had to ask are you going to go grocery shopping it's an automatic thing you've never had to ask if I'm going to cook dinner it's an automatic thing there is food I'm always thinking about what is there to eat for my husband at home you know and I was like I, I need there to be some type of communication from you if you need help with something you know most of the time I try to catch it but like you know and, and it, it just opened the door because there are those moments where you do have to be very specific about something that's making you unhappy mm -hmm. but also still remain grateful and I think that's what made the difference is that talking to him I was being vulnerable and I was being very specific about things that I was disappointed. Like we were talking about earlier, kind of bringing it back home. I had some expectations of him that weren't being met and they were realistic expectations, mm -hmm. but they hadn't been communicated. I had never before told him, I'm tired of telling you that I want you to take out the garbage. I yes. need that to be something that you do without me asking you. And, and guess what? And, He's been doing it. <laughs> and here's the funny thing about that. You see how real that conversation is? Yeah. That's what I'm talking about when I talk about having these real conversations because it can make or break the relationship in all honesty. Because again, you know, you'll say a thing and then he'll go, okay, well, you didn't really mean that because you didn't back it up. Mm -hmm. Or you didn't say what you really, really meant. And you see how you said, whoa, I don't want to have to ask you to do it. It's like, it's it's like this. If you cheat on me, I'm going to leave you. Mm -hmm. Like nobody's ever said that in a relationship before. But that's a very real conversation. If you yeah. cheat on me, I'm going to leave you. Yeah. See how clear and direct that was? Very. <laughs> it, 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 and it goes back to the same thing with sex. You know, I like this. Can you do this? Okay, if not, can you do this? It's 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 such a real conversation. And I think the more we, we mature, the the more we become adults in our in ourselves and become one with ourselves, it allows us to share that space with someone where we are okay with being that honest. I love you. That I mean, that is true, not just talking about sex, but just in life in general. Yes. We need to be more honest with ourselves so that we can be more honest with each other. Um, so the last question that I have before we wrap things up, what are some simple things, maybe one or two things that our listeners can do right now that will help improve their view of themselves as sexual beings? So this is strictly just looking at themselves and understanding I am a sexual being. God designed me to be a sexual being. <laughs> I call that the mirror work. Mirror work. I know about that girl. Go ahead. Tell me. <laughs> <laughs> the mirror work is simply after you get out of the shower or after you take your bubble bath, 
you get in the mirror and you adorn you. You love on you. Flaws and all, lumps and rolls and all, curves and all, and you simply marvel at you because you are a marvelous being. And the more you marvel at you, the more your mate will marvel at you as well because you're able to articulate what you like and what you don't like. And this is for men and women. Mm-hmm. Um, I tell men all the time, definitely uh, think of shaving uh, because she's attracted to that area more. It's not as smelly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you appear to be bigger. And it's more refreshing to her and welcoming to her to not have to deal with everything that comes with the hair mm-hmm. down there. Um mm-hmm. The same with women. I tell them to have a private, and this is also going to make your Christian people cringe, but it's, I promise you there's a method to the madness. <laughs> uh, I think all women should have a photo shoot with their vagina because there are a lot of women, contrary to what we think, that have never seen it, don't know yeah. what it looks like. And when you can look at it and go, wow, it's pretty or it's curvy or I didn't think it would look like that or whatever feeling you have associated with it you can have a different appreciation for it, which therefore makes you want to make your partner have a different appreciation for it. So if you don't take the time to fall in love with you, sensually, sexually, intimately, physically, then it's difficult for you to command that. And I, didn't, I, don't, I don't mean demand, I said command. Mm, it's difficult for you to command that in the bedroom. Now, for all of the, the folks that are like cringing and like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I should be listening to this. Let me back it up with scripture. David in his Psalm says in Psalm 139, your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. How can you know something that you don't look at? Mm. And, How and- can you marvel at the workmanship of God if you don't ever marvel at it? And, and take your time because we, we rush through life. Mm-hmm. We rush to get to work. We rush to get the kids out of the house. We rush to get the kids dressed. We rush to get the husband out the door. Rush to put our clothes on. And not once did we caress ourselves that day. Not once did we give ourselves a hug and say, you know, I love you. Yeah. Self-love is important. It is, it is. It is critical to every other kind of love you will encounter. Because, yeah. because it sets the tone for every love that you'll encounter you know i'm gonna i've I've talked about this before um i think probably one of the better investments for myself after i got married i'll never forget one of the most embarrassing moments of my married life the first year my husband told me he was like oh i think we were having a conversation about sex he was like oh it's okay babe i know you're not that sexually confident and when I tell you, I roll my neck like, excuse me. Now he was right. Mm-hmm. He was he was definitely right. But the audacity to tell me to my face. So I went straight to Google and I'm like, let me find me a twerking class. And that was one of the best investments I ever made for a number of reasons. One, it gave him something fun to admire. But the thing about going to a twerk class or any dance class for that matter, there are mirrors all around so that you can look at yourself while you're doing these things. And it taught me to be confident about my body, roles and all. It taught me to be confident in the movement. It taught me to understand 
you know, what he likes to look at. Cause my husband loves to see me and, and I had a, a dress on. I told him yesterday, I'm like, this dress is a little too short. He was like, no, it's not short enough. And I'm like, you know, I, it's playful. It's fun. But the conservative Christian girl on, on the inside of me from, you know, several years ago would be like, oh my gosh, this is not what we're supposed to wear. It's not what we're supposed to do. And it's just like, okay, first of all, I'm married. Second of all, um, even if I'm not married, I can appreciate my body. I can appreciate these legs and these curves. I can appreciate what God gave me to work with. That doesn't mean I'm walking around naked. I'm not telling y'all to go outside and, and go streaking or anything. However, if you decide to go outside commando, I'm just saying, another <laughs> thing that I, I learned from Yanni, it does a little, a little something for your self-esteem, okay? But, um, you know, it's something that, that just really liberates you in, in understanding and seeing yourself in a mirror while you're doing these, these dances. And, you know, it's a great confidence builder. It taught me how to have, to, to give myself permission to have fun with my body, to be able to, to dance. And like, nobody was watching me, but I was watching me. And then I got, I went, I went home and my husband was watching me and he would be so excited. And mm-hmm. it made, it, it made me feel more confident in our, in our intimacy and in our sexual encounters, because I wasn't this, this timid girl. I was using a body that God gave me. I was admiring his workmanship, the way that he made our bodies go together. Like, you know, I was able to celebrate that instead of just, okay, go ahead and pump me and get it over with. You know, I was able to be (laughs) present there. And so I think that part is important, but look, I I appreciate you. I'm going to have to have you back for another conversation because I don't want this to get too, too long. It's such an amazing conversation. I want to thank you so much for joining us. And I just want you to tell the people where they can connect with you, where they can buy your book or shop at your store, give them all your information. I am Yanni Brown at yannibrown.com for email. And then the website is yannibrown.com. Uh, you can get the books wherever books are sold, as well as on the website. You can also get products there. And I currently have a 30-minute free toy consultation for those that are looking for ways to either add spontaneity and spice or maintain their spontaneity and spice by bringing in a toy. Uh, and I teach couples how to introduce that into the relationship as well. Valentine's Day will come around again in February, like it always does. And I am here for that as well. Yes, I'm going to get this episode up just before then. So uh, definitely, if you're tuning into this, uh, no matter when, because obviously the podcast stays up, even if it's not Valentine's Day, definitely make sure you are tuned into this conversation and that you visit yannibrown.com. That's Y-A-N-N-I-B-R-O-W-N.com. And follow her on social media. Learn about making love better together two because she is amazing so thank you so much yanni thank, thank you, you so much everyone. for having me man thank you so much for everybody who's listening all over the world we've been touching so many different countries and as always i just want to pray real quick i'm gonna make this short and sweet god thank you for making us sexual beings teach us how to enjoy your workmanship and how to indulge in the amazing gift that you have given us in the way that you've given it uh, given it to us help us to glorify you with our sexual bodies in jesus name amen amen all right folks love y'all i'm gonna talk to you soon i'm excited 2021 is is gonna be amazing let's just speak that into existence y'all have an amazing day i will talk to you soon thank you so much for tuning in 
I want to connect with you. Find me on social media at Crystal Lustre. That's C-H-R-I-S-T-A-L-L-U-S-T-E-R. So we can support each other in this life journey. And please, please leave a review for my podcast. I truly value your support. Until next time, say it with me. I am loved. I am destined for greatness. And I have the capacity to worship intimately. Have an amazing week. I'll see you next time.